0: H-E-L-P dot slash sober. Boundaries are really hard, and they can be so uncomfortable. As drinkers, we don't have a lot of experience with setting boundaries and having self-respect. And even worse, we may be used to taking things personally and getting easily offended. That's why I invited Nikki Eisenhower back on the show to discuss boundaries, taking things personally, and dealing with other people. You may remember Nikki from episode 78, and I'm so happy to have her back on the show today. Nikki is an international life coach and licensed therapist. And after you listen to this episode, make sure to check out her podcast, Emotional Badass, for more. There is also an extended part of this episode inside my living the ultimate sober powered life community. And if you're interested in hearing Nikki's expertise in setting boundaries with drink pushers, then please check out the show notes for more information and let's get to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you came back to talk to us again. Woohoo! I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me back. Of course. So I wanted to talk to you about boundaries because that's something that you are really good at and I am not. So I wanted to have a boundary expert on the show. So you teach about boundaries every year in October, but what was it that made you so passionate about them or made you realize that you're really good at teaching them?
1: Because I struggled so much to have them. And you know, my joke is that I've had more therapy than anybody in the world uh, on both sides of the chair. So way before I was a counselor and went through my education, I have been seeing counselors since I was a child and all of my adult life. And I think when it comes to boundaries, there's not a lot of clarity. There's a lot of you should have them go get some do them. They're good for you. But most people don't know what the hell they are. And we have so much confusion around it, even in the therapeutic space. And for me, it has been a lifetime. I'm in my 40s now of really breaking down well, what is my struggle? Why can't I do them? And it's not just a boundary that we need. We need the emotional process behind the boundary to give us permission to even try to have boundaries. Currently, now there's so much online that I see that frankly wouldn't help me with boundaries. People teaching boundaries things that to me really missed the point. Um, A lot of people tend to come to my work thinking that a boundary is shaking a finger at somebody and going, hey, this is the line and you shouldn't cross it. And I certainly tried that with my super dysfunctional family. It's like, hey, this is going to be my line. And they'd look right at me, you know, emotionally, metaphorically, and just step over it like, yeah, now what are you going to do now? And I think that's when a lot of people panic. They've shut down. It's depressing to put energy and effort, even in mind to what boundary you need and then try awkwardly to set it and then have it absolutely blow up and fail in front of your face. I mean, how demotivating. So I was very frustrated, even with good therapists that I've had very frustrated. Like, what do you mean? I just have a bound. How do you just tell somebody, here's the line when they give you the finger and step over it? How do you work with that? And I think that's the very spot where I come in with my work to help people break down what a boundary actually is. And then the emotional maturity really, and skill that it takes to actually be able to execute that boundary in a way that's actually effective.
0: So would you say the most difficult part that you've seen is like enforcing the actual boundary or determining what the boundary is?
1: It's both. I think I think it's equally both. And depending on where you are sort of in your self-worth, self-development journey and with different people and situations, it's going to be harder at different times. The truth is, like you said, you're not good at boundaries. I don't know that anybody is really great at them. Okay, because. There can't be a simple formula. And that's really what we want. Our human ego is like, just give me the damn formula for this stuff and let me walk the earth and just practice this formula like like, as if boundaries are some kind of math problem. And it is never going to be like that. You know, communication, even with ourselves inside of our own heads is an art form. When you add another human being, that is like double, triple, quadruple art form. And then when you look at situations, moods, different seasons that we're in, there is no formula. We're going to have to meet each situation with just more and more wisdom. And, and that's kind of, I think that the silver lining and the, the peace point I can offer is if you can look at life as really opportunities, every moment is an opportunity and it's happening for you and not to you. So, each struggle or each conflict that I have is an opportunity for me to strengthen my boundaries muscles. And really, boundaries are about self-respect and self-regard. There's so much out there online that I think is really influencing youth about that wag a finger, tell them the line thing. I make a big distinction between making a request of someone and actually setting a boundary. A request is, hey, will you please not say that around me? I don't like that word. You can make that request. And someone can honor that request or give you the finger and not honor that request at all. And you have to be able to know that. And I think when we go, they're not taking my boundary, they're not, it's not working. We sort of panic instead of really understanding, all right, we're going to make some requests. And we, and we start with making requests of people. When people don't want to honor those requests or meet us halfway, for whatever reason, ignorance, immaturity, dysfunction, they don't have the bandwidth, they don't get it you know, as deep people, we tend to really project our depth onto other people and are very confused when other people don't meet us in that depth. And that's kind of like taking my American blow dryer to the UK and trying to jam it in the socket. Like it just doesn't plug in. It's not going to work that way. And as deep people, we tend to not know that until we painfully learn those lessons of I can't plug in here. And so for lots of reasons, people might not meet us in our request. They might be going through a selfish season in a dysfunctional way and just aren't going to meet me halfway. Learning how to not take that personally is a big sort of underlying layer of boundaries work. So making a request, when someone I figure out isn't interested in honoring my request or meeting me halfway, or they just think it's stupid and don't get it, then the, I set a boundary. But the boundary isn't for the other person. That's where we get it wrong. The boundary is for ourselves to honor. And that's the hardest part. Of course, our human egos are like, hey, other person that I think is being difficult right now, I would like you to change your behavior and do do your behaviors and use your words in a way that works totally for me. Gee, why doesn't that work very well with people? Well, other people are living their own existence, their own life, and they frankly <laughs> are barely getting by in their own life. So the energy that it takes to keep meeting people in, in this sort of language policing is big right now. You know, it's just an exhaustion of our energy. So if we can understand other people are just living their life and I have to set the boundaries that I need for me. I've got a girlfriend who's got a real old school Southern father-in-law sweet guy, good guy. He'd say racist things around her small kids. And she really put her foot down and said, no, you're not allowed to do those things. Well, he stubbornly kept doing it. So you can't control someone like that. You have absolutely no control. It's also why part of what I teach in general, if you listen to emotional badass, is that we are our own authority figures. We have absolutely no authority over anybody else. If you're a parent, you have some authority over your kid, but If you've ever been in a power struggle with a toddler, you know that that's kind of limited too. They have quite a lot of power, you know. So we have to kind of learn with our boundaries work that this isn't about engaging a power struggle with another person. It's about really seeing where is my side of the street, where is your side of the street, and what do I need to do to keep my side of the street clean. So, like with my girlfriend and with any of us, if somebody's saying things that are super offensive and we've addressed it kindly and respectfully and made some requests, and they're just going to do their thing, then my only power is in deciding my boundary about how much time, space, and energy I'm willing to give that dynamic. So the boundary is for me, you know, as a parent protecting kids from different things, like I'm naming, like maybe, you know, that old school kind of racism or just kind of rudeness that we're trying to get away from, then yeah, you have to figure out how to limit your interactions. Whether that's a zero sum game, you know, I'm no contact with almost all of my giant family because of dysfunction. I'm in contact with one cousin because she's respectful and growth oriented, and we really get each other and we get what respect is. But that's all of our power. We can't kind of go to somebody else's side of the street and go, hey, I need to tell you how you need to be with your side of the street, no matter how right you think you are. And that's another thing getting taught that's really unfortunate because it won't bring peace and it won't bring happiness. It'll bring frustration. It'll bring bitterness. It'll bring separation and depression to think that, Just because you think you're right, you get to exert that will over another human being. You have absolutely no right to that. And anybody teaching you that you do doesn't understand true peace, true happiness, true groundedness. That's what I suspect most people who are highly sensitive really want and really need. And that comes from a whole lot of self-respect and self-regard. So all we can really do with our boundaries is figure out what our own line is and then respect it. Hey, you know, nice to see you, but I'm going to leave. Why are you going to leave? Well, you're saying some things that I just don't want to listen to. Have a great time. Complete your stay. Goodbye. And that's a way to start behaviorally respecting ourselves and teaching other people what our limits are. With people that are willing to learn and grow and evolve alongside of us and with us, someone who very much values me will temper themselves the next time we're together if they want to spend more time with me. And if they don't, I have to accept that. And most sensitive people, they fight people, they beg, they push, they over communicate, they over function, they over explain, they beg, they cry, trying to be understood and heard by the other person. That's a projection outward that isn't going to bring us any peace. What brings us peace is the understanding of I've got to understand that stuff about myself. I've got to honor what I need myself and stop walking the world like, hey, I'd like the entire world to honor what I need, please that's not going to work. I have to learn how to honor what I'm going to need in this life. And that takes courage. So what got me when I was younger was nobody who was talking to me about boundaries was addressing that I had a critical voice that was massive in my head. So if I have an inner bully, any new behavior that I'm going to try is going to be sabotaged because I'm not going to be instantly good at it. We need a lot of um, beginner's mind, permission to be beginners at things, and if we have a, a perfectionist, a critical voice, an inner bully, oh, that's the fodder that that inner bully loves. Oh, you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be brave. You're going to try something different. You know that inner bully like gets ready and like rubs its hands and is like, "All right, <laughs> this is the the perfect petri dish for me to come out and just talk some shit to you." So we have to learn how to really manage and minimize that inner critic. We cannot let the inner critic drive the bus of our life. We have got to either put that part of us in the back seat or kick him out of the vehicle completely to be able to grow an encourager. I call it the wise woman or the wise man inside of us. We need that. We need an inner cheerleader. And most of us have grown up having an inner bully. Well, no, that has to be addressed. And we're never going to eradicate that perfectly. There's the sneaky bastard of perfectionism again. But we have to really understand some of these concepts. And what we're doing is we're dialing down the inner bully. We're dialing up our wise woman or our wise man. And that's who's going to continue to grow to hold us through these sticky human situations that are complex, that are complicated. I've got my side of the street. You've got your side of the street. And then when we come together, uh uh-oh, we've got some overlap. And so there is where it gets complicated. You know, whose job is it to have the boundaries here? So we've got to be willing to... Kind of be in the nitty gritty of how imperfect that's always going to be, how messy. I said a lot.
0: (laughs) That was amazing. Yeah. Wow. Something, the thing that stood out to me the most, the second most was the the inner wise woman part. I want to talk about that. But what stood out to me the most is taking things personally. Because I think a lot of us know, if you've been doing any boundary work, you know that. A lot of times we approach boundaries trying to control other people's behavior. And eventually you realize like that's not the point, but the taking it personally part that, oh my gosh, that is so true. Like we, when someone doesn't respect our boundaries or doesn't accommodate us, it's got to be about us. And like, we're not worthy of respect or love, or they don't care about us enough. And, And we do, we take it very, very personally. And how can we, I guess, disconnect from it being about us at all? Like if they make a choice for their own behavior, that's about them and their behavior. How can we stop connecting it to us and our self-worth?
1: Great question. And what I want to acknowledge first is that everything that I'm talking about today, and if you come listen to Emotional Badass or come join the Boundaries course next year, this is not stuff that you can hear me say once or twice and then just go off and do. This is about rewiring how we function. This is about letting go of patterns that aren't just in our conscious mind. It's in our subconscious. And if there's anything that I've taken from my psychology background, it's that our subconscious is real, y'all. Like it is real. It is something to understand about us. It is the patterned part, the habitualness of the, the mammalian creatures that we are, that we, we get into habits that we don't even consciously realize. That's why mindfulness is so important in self-development. And you can get all kinds of complicated into mindfulness, but basically it's like becoming a little birdie that sits on your own shoulder and just kind of observes and watches and, and starts to learn how to kind of go, hey, whistle, whistle at you. Maybe you should pay attention to this. Maybe this is one of those moments where you could be a little different instead of going into what's automatic. I had to realize at a point that growing up in dysfunction and in general, I am a trauma specialist and I help adults heal from dysfunctional and chaotic childhoods. And there's a difference there. There are inadequate parenting. There's inadequate parenting that we receive. And then there's toxic parenting that we receive. And One of the ways you can know the difference is that truly toxic parenting never, ever, ever really owns itself and takes responsibility. With inadequate parenting, especially parents like from older generations that had multiple children, very, very young, they didn't grow up with Oprah and Dr. Phil who, yes, okay, both have, you know, some issues and maybe some problems that, you know, we could talk about maybe another day, but there was a, a, just an awareness of what development was, like what kind of psychological problems we could have, that whether we realize it or not, directly or indirectly, younger generations have benefited from that being in the atmosphere. Okay. We know that it's our job to to take care of ourselves now in ways that older generations didn't. So there was a lot of parenting that was inadequate. And what I see with inadequate parenting is that as they age, as they mature, as they learn things, they often will come to their children and really go, wow, I would have parented you differently now. Like, so there's some real energy of acknowledgement, validation. There's, there's more vibes of potential reparative closeness that just is not available in truly toxic family systems. And I come from a very toxic family system. So part of what I had to do to get to a place of not taking things personally was I had to be really pissed off about that. And I had to allow myself to go through the process of that making absolutely no sense to me. It did not make sense to me that someone could personally look at me, give me the emotional finger. I was supposed to not take that personally. Fuck that. This other person is in bad behavior and this is my responsibility. No. I mean, I... Fought this inside of myself and in the world. And the truth is, if I could go back in time and talk to myself from that age, I would sit myself down and go, listen, be pissed about this, but get it out of your freaking system and just lean into this work. Because all you're going to do, if you continue to like sort of feed this anger and this bitterness and this resentment that how dare I have to do this work when they're being an asshole was really how I processed it, it just makes you stay in pain years longer than you need to stay in pain. So letting go, also a very important part of all of this work, we can't not take things personally if we don't know how to let things go. Our human ego bristles, okay? That is absolutely natural, okay? So I think mindfully learning how to let your system bristle when someone is just giving you that kind of finger, that's the way I'm describing it today, is part of it. But I had to really understand what dynamics I grew up in. And having toxic parents is undoubtedly having immature parenting. There's a real immaturity. In a way, I was raised by someone who was older, but I was raised by a 12-year-old mean girl, which means she took everything personally. If the weather wasn't what she wanted it to be, she took that personally, like the weather systems (laughs) were trying to shit on her life. So I had to really understand, oh, part of why this is so hard for me is because I grew up in a culture where most people go out of their way to take everything personally. How unfortunate about our American, I'm from the South, I'm from New Orleans, how unfortunate that that is a big part of our familial or American culture in some ways. So I think it takes being able to understand that and see that. And I, I very much believe that if you grew up with more mature parenting, you will probably have an easier, that doesn't mean easy, but easy -er time learning how to not take things personally because you were just around the vibes of more maturity. And maturity helps us know that other people are just in their world and we don't have to take it personally. So I think we have to go through the process of being angry at that, being mad that we have to do the work that we see that other people are just making our lives harder by not meeting us halfway. How dare they? We have to work through that anger to kind of clear it out, to be able to sit with, okay, I've got to do this for me not taking things personally is freedom. It's peace. It's ease. One of my phrases to help us understand the vibe that we're going for when we're not taking things personally is giving grace. In healing and development, especially if we have an inner bully, we haven't given ourselves grace. We've given ourselves the hardest time possible consistently. So it's very oppositional to try to balance and get to a middle ground instead of so critical, we can't really function. We want to get to a place where we soften if the other side of that pendulum is giving grace. That doesn't mean letting ourselves or anybody else off the hook. It doesn't mean not taking responsibility. It means giving grace for how freaking messy and confusing it is to be a fucking human being. That gets no instruction manual. In fact, we get more examples of how not to be, what not to do, (laughs) than we do of good examples. I mean, and that's really part of why I did a podcast. I realized. We need examples of people really working through this shit so that we can connect with people who are really working through this stuff. So, giving grace when someone is just absolutely rude to you, absolutely rude, sounds like I get to be annoyed for a minute. I get to acknowledge my feeling. Healing is not about denying being an emotional being, it's about being able to feel the feeling and then move through it and not let it lock you down, make you stuck. So, I acknowledge to myself that is not what I wanted to hear. And this is making me angry because now I have more work to do to give grace. And I take a deep breath and I just feel that for sometimes seconds now. You know, when I was first starting this, it might be hours. It might be days, depending on the situation. It could be longer than that. It could be weeks. But the more you practice this, the faster you'll flow through it and shift. And that's beautiful. And that's amazing. And my hope for anybody listening to me, your show, anybody else on our network is that they get to more and more ease because you feel so proud of yourself. It's such a self-worth builder to be able to bring ease. And one of the truths as I see the world is that external life is, I don't expect it to ever get easier on me or anybody else. The ease that's available is within me. Life's always going to throw waves of more bullshit, taxes, stress, who knows what. I mean, my goodness, we had the pandemic a couple of years ago, right? None of us could have prepped for that or planned for that or known what to do with that. So I have no expectation anymore that life's going to get easier. I'm going to be easier with me. And I'm going to be easier with these things that life throws at me. I'm going to be easier with the ways other people may not be self developing and evolving. And I'm going to give grace to how different we are. And that's something that's being lost in our American culture. We learn so much from people who are different than us. And we, there's so much to learn, so much wisdom, so much growth inside of us and together by being with people who are very, very different instead of shaming and blocking difference. So giving grace sounds like this other person is just in their humanity and I'm not going to take it personally for me and for them. Because when we take it personally, what happens? We start the story in our head. Fuck them. They don't care about me. Nobody cares about I know me. the story. Right. Nobody <laughs> listens to me. Why do I even try this shit? God, Ugh. and we just kind of. I'm the worst. Right, right. I'm the worst. Like this is never going to work. Why do I even try? Like we just. It's like the shit show story, right? That we just of everything being desperately awful, and that's just not the truth of things. Mindset is very, very powerful, and embracing a not taking things personally mindset is one of the wisest things I believe that we can do. So we give grace for our own peace of mind. Um, I say that that in self-development, we are learning to embrace our own humanity and it's inside out work. The more that we lower the volume on that inner critic and inner bully and dial up the wise woman and the wise man inside of us, we feel more grace. And from giving ourselves more grace, we then have more grace to give outwardly. And when we're hard on ourselves, guess what? It's going to be inside out work. We're going to be hard on other people, especially when we have very high integrity, which Jill, I know you do to have just like I do, Um, very high standards, very ambitious, very easy to slip into projecting that expectation on other people. So, there's an allowing of, okay, this is who I am. I have a standard that might be way up here and that may be higher than what other people want or are interested in, but I don't do myself or anybody else any favors by expecting everybody else to have the same standards that I do. So, I'm allowing my own humanity because my standards seem absolutely ridiculous and absurd to other people. So, allowing that and allowing other people to be where they are. That also keeps me in respect of my own precious energy as a highly sensitive person. My younger self would try to beat in messages emotionally to people if I just said the right words, because man, I can be persuasive. So if I can just say the right words, I can make this person get it. And there's such a peace and a freedom in realizing, A, everybody doesn't want to get it. They're not interested. And B, they might not have the same ingredients that I have to see the world or see my position. So I'm just allowing them. You know, we know that people have different sights. You know, like somebody might have glasses and I don't have any glasses, but I had LASIK almost 20 years ago. So if we're standing next to each other, we're going to have different visual ability. We understand that. We don't so much understand that people have different emotional ability. And so allowing, I think, is a really big word. You know, and the more that we allow of our humanity... And again, that's not permission to be like, "Oh well, I just shit on your foot. That's just my humanity. I need you to accept it." You know, it's not a permission for bad behavior <laughs> or ridiculous acting, and some people may manipulate the message that I'm giving to give themselves permission to act in ways that I might think of as shitty ways of acting. So it it's bringing that integrity to some balance and some grace inside of ourselves. And without that sort of deeper layer work, I don't think I ever could have even approached boundaries reasonably because you just get all wrapped up.
0: I think you're describing the acceptance that we need to have when we stop drinking too. Like we spend so many years fighting it and like trying to change it and control it. And even in sobriety, sometimes, especially in the beginning, when there's a trigger or like other people drink and we can't, we feel this resentment and all of these negative feelings and eventually you have to get to a point where it's just like it is what it is you know it sucks i wish it were different but this is just the way that it is and then you can move through any kind of craving or discomfort or like feeling of missing out type of thing so yeah i i take things personally so like you're speaking directly to me <laughs> i'm much better But I think my biggest one, and this is a trigger for me too. So I'm curious if you think like taking things personally overlaps with triggers. But my big one right now is when I detect someone doesn't respect me, then I I get very upset. But I also take the action really personally. And maybe the action had nothing to do with whether or not they respect me. Maybe that's just what they think is appropriate or they're not really thinking very much about me at all. They got their own stuff going on, but I will add a lot more meaning to it and then take it really personally because of the meaning that I assigned to what they did, which probably isn't even accurate 100% of the time.
1: Yeah, I think one of the sort of um, maybe like dirty secrets of our psychology is that when we have so much practice over a lifetime, basically relating to people and practicing feeling hurt, that is a sneaky bastard of a pattern. When I start my boundaries course each year, one of the things that I say is this is two-way work. And most people come to boundaries work wanting to boundary out other people's bad behavior. What I encourage is this is about receiving boundaries too. And the truth is we have very, very little experience in the human condition right now with receiving boundaries with grace. And the truth of our, of our humanness, of our, of our human ego is that if we ask a question or if we want to do something, there is not one of us on earth that likes hearing no. We, we never will hear a no and be like, awesome. Like, unless it's something we really don't want to do. And we're like, uh, do you want to do this? That's the only time we hear somebody go no and go, oh, good. Now I don't have to do this thing. But if we genuinely want something to happen or think it's right and invite somebody to it and they're like, no, I don't want to do that. We don't have practice with that. And I don't think we're doing a good job teaching our children. And I do work with the inner child. So it's our job to teach our inner child that it's totally okay to receive a no. Totally okay to receive a no. One of the most powerful things I saw maybe 10 years ago was I was at a business workshop and a woman was running it and somebody asked, hey, like you mentioned some kind of asset or some kind of tool. Can I have that? And it was a free workshop. And obviously she's promoting her paid stuff. Like you give some things for free and then no, if you want more. And she looked at all the women in there and she just went, no. And then she just looked at everyone and you could see the women squirming and getting uncomfortable. And I think particularly as women, we have more discomfort with that. It's in part why sometimes men are much easier for me because they, they have a directness that I, th- women, we think like a web and that goes back to caveman days. You know, the men went out, they hunted the mate they were the protectors. It's a linear, it's, it's a simple, almost like put blinders on and go out and do that thing. So they have a lot of strength in kind of linearly thinking. We as women, we tended the fire, watched for predators, tended the babies, gathered berries. And so our, our brains really develop more like a web. You know, Little side note, that's often what an argument is between a man and a woman. Because often the underlying argument is a man going, I just thought in a singular link linear way. And the woman's like, why didn't you think in this webby way? Why didn't you see all these other things? So we can avoid a lot of conflict in our male-female relationships by understanding and not making either way wrong, but understanding how to communicate better. Hey, I see all of this. And I think you just saw this one way of being. I would like you to take a step back and see all these other things and invite the men in our life to see more clearly. And women, when we get all discombobulated and overthinking and trying to go in 12 directions at once, sometimes I take a deep breath and go, how would a man, how do I think a man would process this? And they'd go, I want to do this. And then they'd do it. All right. And I lean into that linear way of thinking. So when we understand this, we don't have to make either way bad or wrong or better or worse. It's just understanding that in, in different scenarios, that's beneficial. And so we can lean into those different ways of being. Oh, I kind of lost where I was going. All right. Ask me a question lady.
0: <laughs> no, that was a good one. I will do that a lot with work. And I think like, cause I just said, I take things personally sometimes and I worry that people don't respect me or whatever. And then I think like, okay, maybe that's all accurate, but how would a man respond to this email? <laughs> and then I write out my like emo, you know, passive aggressive, like But bunch of exclamation points and and like so much so that I seem friendly and nice. The fluff, (laughs) you fluff it. So much fluff. And then like I'll comb through it with my, what I think a man would do. And I remove all of that and just try to make it a regular email. So sometimes emails for me can be really hard. But yeah, I think understanding that people think differently and it's okay. And boundaries don't mean that everyone has to be like you it just means we all have to learn how to work together and communicate yes
1: yes and this is an inside out work too and so when we move through the world and someone says no well that's where i was going with this that lady at the workshop said no and then she looked at all the women and she said if that's uncomfortable for you because no that's a price point that you have to kind of buy into for me to give you that tool and she was talking to female entrepreneurs and she said if you are uncomfortable with just a clear and direct no you're gonna have a real hard time And she advised for people to get really comfortable with that. So this boundaries work, when you really step back and understand what it is, it's not just giving the boundary, it's receiving it. And so we can practice that and anything that we practice, we get stronger at. So the next time somebody tells you no, just kind of practice. And it's okay to pretend there's a lot of fake it till you make it. Like that's an AA saying, right? It's like, you can, you can kind of fake it. You're helping work your system into the okayness, the permission of receiving no and not taking it personally. And our inner child looks up at us. Like typically we would get very offended right now and be very upset. Is that what we're doing right now? And it's like, no, sweet inner child, wise woman, me is going to just receive this with grace and ease. They said, no, they have every right to say no. So as a society, like if I could control everything in the universe, I'd snap my fingers and we would automatically all have more ease with just simple yes and no, and letting go of the exhaustion of going through all the fluff. And that, that's a very important personal responsibility point because a lot of highly sensitive people are like, gosh, everybody else in the world is exhausting me. No, you're exhausting yourself with all the fluff. You have every right to just be like, no, I don't want to do that. And nothing is mean about that. Can you hear it? No, I don't want to do that thing. Or I'm going to pass on that. Thank you for inviting me, but I need some alone time this weekend. I I often tell people I've had enough peopling for this week, so I'm just going to go take my private time because I'm an introvert. And that's the respect catch. Often highly sensitive people want other people to respect their time, their space, their thought process, their emotionality, the depth that they kind of give to everything that they do. The real honest-to-god truth is that when you fully respect it in yourself, when you're like, "I like this about me, I trust this about me. I will always grow and evolve, but I like who I am and who I'm becoming. It really it takes the sting out of other people not respecting us. I feel it, like being a, a counselor, like all these years. Sometimes I meet somebody in my personal life and they're like, "Ah, pff, counseling doesn't work." It, I used to take it personally, like they were shitting on me or my profession, and now it's just like, yeah. I can see why it didn't work for you, dude. Like, like, sure. Think that. Yeah. Yeah. You have every right to that thought. And there's so much peace and grace in my own process for me in the allowance of that. And even if it stings you a little bit at first, it's just learning how to just take a breath and let that kind of initial sting spot just soften and dissipate by taking a breath, by being your own internal cheerleader instead of your own critic you know, the critic shows up and goes, God, what does this person think about you? You shouldn't have opened your mouth. Why didn't you just tell them you were a yoga teacher? I hid behind that for a few years. I'd, when I'd meet people, I just go, I'm a yoga teacher instead of a counselor. You know, sometimes people get scared too. I've, I've had people go, oh my gosh, you're a counselor. Do you know what I'm thinking? Like I'm psychic. Like no. <laughs> and it's easy to go to, right. Are you judging me? Are you psychoanalyzing me right now? No, I'm off. <laughs> Yep. I'm just sitting here like, and so learning how to, and maybe that's helped me because a lot of people out in the world, when they meet a a therapist (laughs) in a social situation, wow, can you sense the weirdness? Like they're either comfortable with that. Like, cool, cool. You help people. Oh, that must be awesome. Or you can see them get real squirmy because they think I'm figuring out stuff that's going on with them. And I'm not, I, I don't put that much effort in when I'm off. I really don't. I have good boundaries there. There's boundaries. How disrespectful of myself if I make myself work when I'm out in public for no pay? No, no. And do you see how easy it is? It would be so easy for me to leave a social situation and get sucked in to that type of conversation and then be mad at the other person. It is my job to respect me. It's not everybody else's job to respect me. It'd be nice and it would be some kind of utopia if we all walked through and respected each other. But have you looked at humanity lately? That's not being cultivated and encouraged, not as much as it really needs to be, in my opinion. So we do so well for ourselves to just understand and accept that in the world and then do our work to be self-respecting. So I'm all about stoicism and personal responsibility because that's our power and that's our freedom and that's our peace. And those of you who want to continue to waste your energy and your time trying to control other people, like I predict bitterness, I predict depression, I depict isolation. Loneliness, victim mentality, which by the way, is something that I believe is the absolute worst thing you could do for yourself, is play into the popularized victim mentality right now. And there's a boundary with that
0: too. And what you were saying about people like reacting to your career, it's very similar for a lot of us when we go out and someone offers us a drink and we say no thanks. And they're like, whoa. (laughs) And they might push. Or they might, in one of my meetings recently, somebody made a comment and they were like, they suggested the person hold the drink to feel like an adult. Oh, isn't that shocking? And so and then sometimes people will go on and on about like, oh, well, my drinking isn't a problem. And so the people react to us not drinking in all sorts of different ways. And I think what a sad commentary
1: on what that person thinks adulting is that they need the prop of an alcoholic beverage to be an adult. There's so much wrong with that. Yep. But but that's probably a big subconscious belief of a lot of people. Because when we're young, Coming from New Orleans, that's what a lot of kids growing up in that drinking culture think. They think, oh, you become an adult and that is when the drinking kicks in. Like that is part of being an adult. What a toxic, terrible, immature message that keeps perpetuating. This is why I have rejected being on shows that pair like an alcoholic beverage with a podcast episode. That, that is not the mommy wine culture drinking. I don't like that vibe. I am not going to support it. I'm not going to encourage it directly or indirectly in any way, shape, or form. There's, there's a low-grade shaming, I think. There are so many people struggling with addiction right now. And they're getting by, they're maintaining, and it's not just one substance. You know, most Americans are on multiple medications. I am so sick and tired of having people tell me that they're on psych meds for depression, but then they drink a depressant almost every day of their life that is like trying to go forwards and backwards at the same time. It is wrong. (laughs) And I know many of you listening are probably in that camp. I'm not saying that to shame you at all. I'm saying that because I'm a grounded realist. And if we don't start getting real, like more and more people are dying. I did an Instagram post last night because I have supported more people in a short span of time who have lost their loved one to overdose or their organs shutting down from complications. Than ever before in my career. And I've been doing this since 2006. That is atrocious that people in their 30s and 40s are dropping dead. It's terrible. It's not suicide attempts. And it's not completed suicide. It is absolute accidental overdose and death. I'm in a new neighborhood. I went to a garage sale because I'm trying to get out of my introverted bubble and socialize in my neighborhood and meet people because I'm, now I'm a country girl. And first thing out of the lady's mouth was we're having this garage sale because my 41 year old son drank himself to death just like his father. Yes, 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 yes. So we have got to sort of pull our head out of our collective American ass and start getting real about the combination of big pharma plus whatever substances we're putting in into our body, whether it's cocaine, meth, whatever street drugs like you're getting into the absolute combination of these things is atrocious. And we, we have got to get real about that as a society. And I am not one to, I think, overreact. You know, I've got a lot of drug history. I was a bartender for years. That's how I got through school. So I have seen this kind of in every iteration of what it is to have a relationship with alcohol and with drugs, what it does to people short-term and long-term. And it just robs your quality of life. This idea that you deserve a drink is so wrong. You deserve clarity. You deserve a body that isn't inflamed and trying to eliminate a toxin out of it while it lives. You know, you deserve that kind of self-respect and self-love. And it's so popularized right now. Like even, even in my yoga circles, you know, I was disgusted in Houston with some of my yoga teachers. They started pairing alcohol with yoga classes. I was like, what the fuck are y'all doing? This, this is not, this is not okay. This is not a good message. It's not a good look. It's not a good vibe. So there's lots of ways that, it, that I think alcohol is kind of sinking into this almost like 1950s time again. And that's heartbreaking to me who's been doing this almost 20 years because we have more education. We have more resources. We have more mental health help than ever before in human history. And yet addiction in America is going up. Suicide rate is going up. We have to get real about teaching people that life is hard and you've got to be able to lean in and take care of yourself through it instead of expecting it to be easier than it really is. So I'm, I'm on a big kick. I think 2023 is going to be like a big year of like, let's get real. Like, let's get really, really real. Because as dramatic as it sounds, our, our lives depend on it, especially if you're parenting small children. Their development depends on it. And it's the truth. And if you're seeing a counselor and they're not confronting you, that your drinking, your drug use has an effect on your children then they're hiding from speaking that truth to you and helping you face the reality of that.
0: And that's something that I wanted to talk to you about too, actually, was people pleasing and this idea, because we want to be real, some of us, and we want to tell people how we feel and set a boundary and respect ourselves. But then there's also this, like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So that makes it really hard when you feel like I guess, self-respect, like you're saying, results in hurting people's feelings. So that can, yeah. So I'm interested in your thoughts on, on like how us taking care of ourselves might hurt other people. Okay. You might be surprised at what I'm going to say about this. I can't wait then.
1: <laughs> okay. So maybe a hard human truth that we don't like admitting is, uh, you hurt your own feelings a lot. So when we walk around going, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Another way for me to explore that is that beneath the the surface level of those words, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings, is maybe a deeper truth, sort of core issue of I also want to give myself permission to hide from my truth. I also may not know how to support myself enough, so actually I need this other person to support anything that's going to come out of my mouth cuz I don't really know how to support it inside of me. And it's also part of the human condition if we are going to have relationships, okay? The truth is other people are going to disappoint us a lot. And we're going to disappoint people too, because none of us are perfect. All of us have egos. We all are beings who react wrongly some of the time. Even the most thoughtful of us stick our foot in our mouth. So that's another part of accepting our humanity. That's not a permission to be shitty to ourselves or anybody else, but it is something that I think normalizes and I think we're getting away from that normalization. I th- so anybody who listens to my show hears me talk a lot about the pendulum swinging, okay? And there's a umpteen billion endless ways to look at the pendulum swinging. The pendulum swinging is a concept that helps us understand things inside of us and outside of us. We have had a pendulum that through the 50s and into the 60s was very much children are seen and not heard. That was a time where a neighbor or an acquaintance could slap the hell out of your kid because they didn't like what they were doing. And the parent would immediately look at the kid like, what did you do to deserve that? Instead of how dare you put your hands on my child? We were, none of our feelings like from that era as human beings were really explored or talked to. Parenting was go outside and play. I'll see you in six to 12 hours. And so I very much believe that what we're seeing right now is the pendulum swinging to let's pay attention to every single feeling. Every thought that a child has in some families is being exalted as just, we should honor this and put it on a pedestal. To me, it is an absolute overcorrection. If you watch movies from 50s, 60s, and 70s, I actually find it weirdly refreshing, which might sound like a paradox as a highly sensitive counselor and empath, but people were a little more direct with each other. You can see just things in movies from that time where they're like, Hey, I don't like your shirt. And then the person's like, eh, whatever. Like, it's just like we were maybe a little rougher. Okay. And this sort of placating to every feeling. I tell sensitive people a lot, you are not delicate. And if you're playing into, I'm so delicate, I can't handle things. You're playing into drama. You're lying to yourself. You're playing weak and you're playing small. How is that going to honor your life? So with all the love in the world, Stop it. Stop Stop playing into being delicate. It won't serve you. It won't serve your children. You are strong. We are resilient creatures. So when we look at all of that, there becomes more of a reasonable instead of a utopian idealist groundedness around relating to each other. We have to stop acting like telling somebody something that they don't want to hear is the same as punching them in the face or hitting them with our car. <laughs> And as sensitive people, it's kind of what we do. We're like, oh God, I don't want to hurt their feelings. They're not going to melt into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels. That is how it feels, right? So we have to stop lying to ourselves and sort of building it up, you know, as this big, giant thing. It's like, how often are your feelings hurt by other people? Lots. <laughs> it, it, so we have to stop sort of idealizing how relating to other humans are going to be. Like if you and I have a long enough relationship, undoubtedly, I'm going to say something stupid at some point. Like undoubtedly, I'm going to not catch that I hurt your feelings or even doing this work that I do. It isn't inevitable. Someone works with me long enough. I'm going to say something that they don't like, that we disagree. Like that is, we've got to start normalizing that again. So I think we're operating. I think there's, that's another place where the perfectionist becomes sneaky bastard because doesn't that, there's nothing that sounds wrong about that. Well, I'm concerned about somebody else's feelings. Aren't I supposed to be Nikki? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, but in balance, not in an extreme and not with an ideal. And we learn what I call art form of communication as we go. You know, earlier in some of my no saying or boundary setting for myself or communicating through conflict, you know, I was rougher. I was because my pendulum would swing from being a people pleasing doormat that shut up and took it all always And when we correct, we correct a lot like sports. It's like if I'm trying to throw a basketball right down the center and it goes left, the next time I throw it, I'm likely to go right because it's natural to overcorrect as I oochie scooch towards the center to be able to go midline. We have to understand that that's our psychological process too. That's our emotional growth work too. So if you've been kind of a lifelong, shut up, eat it, say yes, codependent people pleaser, and then you're all of a sudden, especially with someone who has known you to be that way, all of a sudden you're going to say no. When they know you to always be a drinker and all of a sudden you go, yeah, I'm gonna pass on a drink today. No, thank you. Most people in the world don't go, okay, cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I heard you. I heard you no, loud and clear and I shall respect it. Like that's generally not how the average person interacts. They tend to come with a message, whether it's drinking or anything else. And go, are you sure? Why? But this isn't who I've known you to be. This is making me feel awkward because you're changing right in front of my eyes and I'm not changing anything. So psychologically, there's a response of, I feel very uncomfortable because you're obviously changing and growing. You're changing something and I'm not doing shit, but drinking another drink. So I feel a little uncomfortable with you being different around me. So we have to understand that. We have to accept it. We have to stop interpreting that response as I'm doing something wrong because they had that response. We have to learn how to be our own cheerleader in that moment to go, yeah, this is hard for maybe Charlie over here. Charlie wants you to be same old, same old, and I'm changing right in front of Charlie. That is hard for Charlie. So we learn to give grace and compassion to ourselves and to them. And so that's part of why I I did a podcast, because this is, you cannot read one book on boundaries or self-worth and get this shit. You have to really, it's like learning another language and you wouldn't expect yourself to listen to the freaking Rosetta Stone for, you know, two weeks and be fluent. You wouldn't. Healthiness is really like, learning a new language, especially if you come from a toxic system like I did, especially if you come from inadequacy. Because we are fluent in dysfunction. We are fluent in taking it personally. We are fluent in people-pleasing and codependency. We're not fluent in self-respect and self-regard. And we're not fluent in being a realist. Our expectations are really out of whack. And the internet has made that so much worse. Because there's an idealism when we're young you know, I fell into it too. There's no way we can't grow up without going through that idealism of adolescence and our twenties where we think we know the stuff and we think the people that are older than us are just full of shit and dense and old. And we have, we have to do better than that. We have to let the youth go through their developing. We get to learn from our mistakes and grow. And that's how this work is going to be like, this is a whole language and you can learn it. You absolutely can learn it, but it takes sort of marinating in it. And look, you could do boundaries exactly right. And you're still going to get pushback. There's no way to make everyone happy. There is no way to be in respect and regard of what you need in this life and have everybody in your world go, good for you. I'm so happy. <laughs> go for it. That was uncomfortable for me, but I can support you. So we, we have to allow ourselves to sort of tangle up with people in that way. If you're in my house and have bad behavior, like if the rule, this isn't a rule in my house, but if the rule in my house is you come in and you take your shoes off and you don't want to do that, well, it's up to me to either let you in without your shoes or say, sorry, it's a requirement. So if you want to come in, them's the rules. And if you don't want to follow them, cool. Like, th- so it's learning to get away from that FU energy that I think most people have seen people draw a line or try to set a boundary with. There's, there's no fuck you about it. There's just... You have every right to make whatever choice you want. Hey, these are the choices you make if you want to come hang out with me. That's all. And the more that we practice that, the easier that is to do. Even when it's harder, there's an ease to it.
0: I had someone recently tell me about some family members that were saying things that they didn't like. And this just made me think of that moment. And they thought that they should just be more compassionate. I just need to be more compassionate to this person they don't know any better. It's not a big deal. Maybe I'm just like, they're blaming themselves. And it made me think if someone came into my house and I wanted them to take their shoes off and they didn't, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, well, you know, that's just Joe. That's, that's how he acts. But the whole time he's in your house, you're staring at his shoes, getting all upset. We have to be truthful with yourself. The, the truth yeah. is some people are very
1: comfortable going cool, dude, come in without your shoes then. And if they're really okay with that and can flex that way, then that's an honest thing to say. And it's hard for highly sensitive people because one of the hard truths that we don't like looking at and naming, and I'm sorry if this makes you squirm, but not really because it's to help you, is that sensitive people are very manipulative with themselves and with other people. They do it for the greater good and for being kind and sweet and not offending. So they think it's okay because it's not darkly manipulative, like we think about dark, cruel, narcissistic manipulation. So it's sort of like a different flavor, but when you take the flavoring off, you're manipulating and manipulation isn't completely outward. Most manipulation is we manipulate ourselves. So if you're the person, like I have to accept and respect of myself that I'm particular. I am not easy breezy, go with the flow person. Like I I say in my life that I've known some people that seem to have been born with some kind of DNA where they're like a natural stoner and I am not that. And so it's accepting that. So I would not be the person that's like, okay, cool. Come on in with your shoes. So it's learning how to be really honest with yourself and you can bend. Like maybe you want to grow into that person and maybe that's a hill you don't want to die on. And so you allow it. And if you allow it, you got to encourage yourself. Stop staring at his shoes. Look at his face. Let it go. Let it go. You said it was okay. Let it be okay, and you work on that internally. Or you've got to learn how to be more real with yourself and how to meet yourself in that moment. And that's why I say art form of communication. Maybe at first we would handle that like this is my boundary, and you're disrespecting it, and it's my house, and I don't know what to do, and now I'm desperate, and I'm getting anxious, and now I'm getting triggered, and now I until you're kind of a mess. It's learning over time, Nika. All right, look hard line, or what is your negotiation? All right, leave socks on. Do you, do you need a pair of socks? You don't have any socks. You want to get your pair of socks? And it's learning how to be lighter instead of intense. And sometimes highly sensitive people go very serious and very intense. I'm married to a former comedian. Like we have a lot of comedy in our house and I have a lot of comedy in, in my work, a lot of humor. Humor is a healing factor. It's a powerful factor because here's the power. You can't be triggered and in laughter at the same time. Our system won't do that. Because if we're really triggered, that is, that is serious shit. Our body is ready to run or fight or might freeze. So we have to learn how to lean into the discomfort of that moment and go, all right, bud, I hear you. You don't want to take your shoes off, but I'm a stickler for this in my house. So what are we going to do? And like have that little standoff moment with someone and go, it's kind of my house, my rules, and I'm about to feed you some really good food. So I really hope you make the choice to take your feet off or take your shoes off. And what, what's the deal? You you think you have stinky feet, you know, you got to come, you want to come wash your feet. Yeah. And kind of like, we have to allow ourselves like in our humanity to to be better negotiators. You know, it's okay to be negotiators. It's okay to be persuasive, not okay to be manipulative. And so often as sensitive people, we're going, it's okay. When everything inside of our body is going, it's not okay. So stop lying to yourself and to other people. And so I've learned to own who I am with people. And that winds up looking like Owning and saying out loud, hey, I'm very easygoing about certain things and certain things I'm not. And this is one of those things. And if it's somebody that really cares about me, they're going to meet me halfway. And if they don't, I'm probably going to limit my interaction with that person. Or I'm going to learn how to adjust in the future. There's also the way if you want to eat it and let that person in with their shoes on, then don't keep inviting them to your house if that bothers you that much. Go meet them at a restaurant, go walk the zoo with them, go to a park, do something else. And that's part of our power. And that's what empowerment means. It means being able to look at what are my choices here? And so much people pleasing is born of this belief that we are sort of beholden to what other people expect. One of the lessons in my boundaries course is about managing expectations. And that's part of what throws us in any given moment. Uh Uh-oh, I expected that person to just take their shoes off. I didn't realize I expected it till this moment because now I don't know what to do because they're not doing it. So we have to learn how to be in that moment. And if we can't give ourselves permission to be a little messy or to have some of our own feelings or for that other person to have some other feelings about that little minimalist conflict, then we tend to shut down and we betray ourselves. And our human ego then gets mad at that other person. Yeah, I'm pissed off because they didn't take their shoes off. No, you're really pissed that you didn't know how to stand up for yourself.
0: Yeah. And we're sitting there staring at their stupid shoes, focusing on their shoes. But in our hearts, we're like, why do you never stand up for yourself?
1: Yep. And then it goes into victim mentality so easily. Nobody listens to me. I asked for a very simple thing, such a simple thing of taking your shoes off and it just nobody can do anything. Like just I have to do it. Everybody else's way it can never be my way. You know, instead of, no, it can totally be my way you know, and I'm going to lean in. It's also a part of, you know, law of attraction isn't about only doing everything that feels good to us. It's about if I'm going to do it, let me let it feel good to me. So if I'm going to let somebody cross my boundary and be in my house without their shoes, that's the example we're using, then part of my inner dialogue is going to be, hey, sweet girl in there talking to my inner child. You love this person and you allowed them in. That's not what this visit is about. It's not about the shoes let's enjoy this person. You invited them. What can I enjoy? Holidays are are happening. You know, so many people just go right into obligation mode. One of my favorite books is called Emotional Blackmail. And on the cover of that book, the tagline is get out of the fog, out of fear, obligation, and guilt. And for people pleasers, those are the driving forces. You're scared of rejection. You feel obligated and you feel guilty for sticking to your own boundaries. And that's why I teach boundaries, because without all of that underlying work that I've talked about, how the hell are you ever going to do it? And that breaks my heart that people are trying so hard to learn boundaries and they don't understand, actually, like let go of trying to learn the boundaries, learn self-respect, learn self-regard, learn how to really accept the truth of humanity, that if we're going to relate to people, we're going to rub up against each other. We're going to have some sandpapery moments. And that's not bad. You know, we we rub off our edges when we do that, ours and other people's. That's good. We don't need to be so edgy and so sharp. We get stuck on things when we're edgy and sharp. You know, we get pulls in clothing and things get, you know, messy and things get poked and bleed and hurt. And, you know, we can smooth our experience by just being more real. That's why I think of myself as a reformed pessimist and a grounded optimist.
0: I love that. And that's what I'm working on, too. Nikki, you are so amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing with us. And I feel like I learned a lot about myself too, that I need to reflect on. <laughs> so I always appreciate talking to you. Where can we connect with your amazing work? Easiest is probably emotionalbadass.com.
1: Uh, my coaching business is NikkiEisenhower.com, but my last name's hard to spell. So you can find me at emotionalbadass.com. And you can find me at Sober Powered. And I want to thank you too. I mean, you were part of my growth edge this year. It's not easy for me to trust other people and lean in and connect my work with other people. I've been burned in the past. So that's a vulnerability edge for me. And just because, like, I'm an expert in this type of thing, like, this is the human condition, like, I'm always going to be growing and evolving. And you have been part of that for me this year and broadening my circles and not doing so much of this alone. And that's, risky and it's vulnerable and it's scared me at times. And you have held such a space of integrity. You have such a strong work ethic and such a strong commitment to just being a healthy person on the planet that's trying to do good work. And that does so much for me in ways that I'm not sure I've told you yet. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Oh, you're going to make me cry. I feel like every time we talk, we always cry. (laughs) It's one of my not so secret superpowers. (laughs) Well, I will have links for all of that in the show notes. And guys, make sure you listen to Emotional Badass. It's one of my favorite shows. And thank you again for being here. You are
1: so welcome. Anytime. Light and love to you and your beautiful audience.
0: If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear Nikki's expertise on setting boundaries with drink pushers, then there is an extended portion of this episode inside my Living the Ultimate Sober Powered Life community. You can get more information about that in the show notes and I will talk to you next week. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.